Welcome back, everybody, to The Practical Woodsman. I'm Rut, the creator and host of The Practical Woodsman. That's right. It's my genius which has brought this all into existence. So glad to have you back with me again for this uh, episode of the podcast. Got some interesting things to talk about. I wanted to talk about the realities. The realities of uh, being an adult and having responsibilities and yet still wanting to get into the woods for real getting into the woods i mean you know not just stepping in for for an afternoon walk but really getting out there uh, i want to talk about some clothes that uh, i've been shopping around here for lately and tell you some of the brands i like the materials i like and that sort of thing and also i've got some uh, other little stories to tell you some um, stories off the internet i want to share with you about bear attacks uh, and some interesting things. So stick around. Don't go away. I got to do the musical introduction first. You know the routine. I'll be right here when that's done. Well, how you folks doing? I hope you're all doing well. I hope you got your coffee and your or your whiskey or your glass of wine or champagne. Maybe a bottle of chartreuse is right there next to you. I'll tell you something interesting about chartreuse. Have you ever had chartreuse, the drink, the the alcoholic drink? It was originally created by monks as a uh, a life elixir. Now, the way I found out about this is that uh, my late best friend, Jordan Selvage, went through this period where he was really into vampires. And he was reading this series of books or stories about vampires. And the, the vampires were all living in high society. And they liked to drink this alcoholic drink called chartreuse. Makes sense now, doesn't it? That was, that was some nice uh, research on the part of the author, I reckon that he chose for his vampires to drink chartreuse, which was created again by monks as a life elixir. Now here's something interesting about chartreuse. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's expensive and it's disgusting. Um, I did a shot of chartreuse years ago, and man, I, I was sick all day long from that single shot. Uh, but it's made up of all kinds of herbs and, and those sorts of things. Another interesting thing about chartreuse is that it's the only alcoholic drink or the only spirit or hard liqueur. It's, a, it's not a liquor. It's a liqueur. But it's the only hard spirit to have a collar named after it rather than the other way around. That's the truth. So I had no intentions whatsoever to talk to you about chartreuse it just talk about spontaneity this coffee i'm drinking right here i want to tell you a little bit about it it ain't bad but this is the coffee tin right here for those of you who are watching uh on youtube or rumble you can see what i'm holding up here for the rest of you just listening uh, i'll describe it to you it's just a small it looks almost like a folgers cup or something it's actually mcdonald's i think brand coffee but uh, i want to show you the tag at the top of it if you guys can see that on the camera and see what what that says you see that that says a uh, dollar 25 a sale dollar 25 now that brings me into a story about a friend i've got named rocky who lives around these parts Good old Appalachian boy, uh, probably in his mid-60s by now. Probably screeching pretty close up to 70. Got a big, long, ZZ top beard. He goes around, around here, and he dumpster dives. This is a true story. He dumpster dives, and, years, and he brings stuff to me. So he gets all this stuff 
uh, from the dumpsters and from who knows where. And uh, he puts them in the back of his old car. I mean, this old car looks like, man, I need to find out exactly the make and model of this car. It It's probably 1970s, late 60s, early 70s model car. And he's, he still drives around and he drives about two mile an hour around town. You can always tell it's him because you get behind him and you're just cursing your life, right? Because you just want to, you're, you're always in a hurry to get somewhere and there there's old Rocky driving about two mile an hour in front of you. Uh, but he goes around and he dumpster dives and, uh, then he, he, he'll come. I used to live right next door to him. I don't anymore, but he, 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 he knows where I live. So he'll come over and he'll say, Hey, I got, I got some stuff to, to give you. And he brings out these, uh, grocery bags where he's filled all this stuff. Sometimes it's stuff I can use. Sometimes it ain't. Uh, some of you might remember that show I did uh, about a year ago, maybe even longer than that, about hats. That uh, outdoor hats aren't just for Indiana Jones make-believe. Um, I showed off a hat that Rocky had gave me uh, that he had dug out of the trash. He had dug maybe a dozen of those hats out of the trash, and it was a straw fedora looking type of hat really out of style i cut the ribbon off of it and tied my own like leather ribbon onto it but anyway that's the rocky i'm talking about so back to this coffee i don't think he paid a dollar 25 for this coffee that's the sale price i think they actually tossed it out in the dumpster this would have been like uh not odd lots what do they call odd lots nowadays big lots yeah, so like the Big Lots store, uh, they would have probably throw that out into the dumpster behind the store, and he would have dug that out, and he gave it to me. And I said, well, I'm going to hang on to all this stuff that he gives me. Not all of it, but, but this I ended up hanging on to. And I put this in a freezer, and I've had this coffee in my freezer since 2016. 2016, how many years is that? That's seven years ago. He gave me this coffee. I put it in my freezer, and I said, I'm just going to hang on to that for emergencies, end-of-the-world type stuff, who knows what. Well, I don't know if we're inching up to the, the end of the world this year or not, but I'll tell you what. With inflation, I've really started cutting back on some of my gourmet and luxury things that I'm used to enjoying. So instead of going out and... Yeah, spending $150 on a pack of uh, Starbucks coffee this week, or last week, uh, I said, I'm going to get Rocky's coffee out of the freezer. And I've been drinking the coffee all week. It's delicious. It's just fine. 2016, you know, even if he did pay $1.25 for that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting a, a, a 12-ounce tub of coffee today? For a dollar twenty-five, even the cheaper stuff, with inflation and all that, no, I don't think so. So anyway, I try to stay prepared in in different ways uh, for travel and also for staying put here at home. Uh, try to be prepared for hard times and um, unforeseen circumstances and that sort of thing. But I'll tell you what. I don't think anybody is as prepared for a serious collapse of society as much as my old buddy Rocky is. And probably the next best thing to being prepared yourself is to be friends with somebody else who is overly, overly prepared and uh, likes you. <laughs> That's probably an important detail. They probably got to like you. And, uh, yeah, that you can trust. Well, hope you folks are all doing well. Let's get into this discussion about real life and getting out into the woods. Many of you know that uh, I grew up in the deep in the Appalachian backcountry. Didn't have running water growing up. Uh, outhouses were... 
uh, a regular regular part of life uh locked my cousin jared one time in the outhouse and uh and he got out we, we locked him in the outhouse and then we went down into the woods a couple miles back in the woods playing and stuff and we were laughing laughing thinking about him stuck in that uh, outhouse because it was 100 degrees outside so thinking about old jared uh, locked in that outhouse burning up with you know how it gets in an outhouse the old time old timey outhouses and just a hole under the under the outhouse where everything went uh, no compost pile or anything like that it would was the, I'm talking old style we locked him in the, the outhouse an outhouse like that and uh, if you can imagine 100 degrees outside and it just burning up and um, the smells in there and the the flies and uh, hornets and everything else so we went down the woods we're laughing about that and talking about hey who, who are we going to send back to let him out of the outhouse well about 10 minutes passed here comes jared strutting right down through the woods that found where we were at we said how'd you get out he said how do you think i got out he crawled through the hole he crawled out down the hole and out the back of the the outhouse but anyway this is oh i'll tell you another story about outhouses um my grandpa's outhouse was kind of like it was kind of like a community outhouse but whenever I, I was there and using that outhouse that's where i would catch up on like all the news of the community because it would all be written on the walls inside the outhouse so, you know, let's say I hadn't seen my cousins for a while or something. Uh, I'd be sitting in the outhouse, and there'd be, like, all the news news written on the, on the walls, the wooden walls of, of the outhouse. Uh, another thing I remember about that is that uh, corn cobs. Uh, that was always, my grandpa's uh, outhouse was always filled with corn cobs. Do you know what the corn cobs were there for? Well, you know, we just come through a pandemic and everybody freaked out and ran out and bought up all the toilet paper, right? And I, I was thinking about that and I was thinking, why, why is everybody so panicked? You know, not, not too long ago, uh, people didn't use toilet paper. So there's plenty of other options. Now, you can't flush those options down the commode, but there are other options. And uh, corn cobs is one of those options. Now, if you don't grow corn or anything, I reckon that's probably not an option. But uh, that's that's what we would use in, in my grandpa's outhouse. We'd use corn corn cobs without the corn on them. So just the bare, bare corn cobs. So they'd all get shucked, and then you just have the bare corn cob. J.C. Penny catalogs and stuff like that. Uh, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And... Uh, Life was pretty uh, hard uh, at times growing up. Now, when I was a child, I, I didn't really know that. Because uh, when life is just, you know, when you only know one way of life, you know, you don't miss out on, on what you just have not had. So uh, I loved it. I had... I, I don't complain. I've told people in the city. I told I lived in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania there for a while. Also lived in the Boston area for a while. I'd tell people my story and they'd say, oh, I'm so sorry. My goodness, sounds so rough. And I said, I'm not complaining. I'm not, I'm not complaining. Why, why are you saying you're sorry for me? I wish you had that kind of childhood. I wish everybody had that kind of childhood. Anyway, a little windy tonight. I'm getting off the topic. The reason I bring that up is because that's the way I grew up. That's my life. Intimacy with the woods and the natural world, you know. Um, moving off to Philly, uh, moving off to the East Coast and living in the big cities and working a, uh, a white-collar job, you know, in the medical profession, uh, I can't say... Uh, that I ever, you know, grew to love the city more than I love the country or the woods uh, or the natural world. But one thing I kind of decided, probably in my early 30s, 
was that for me anyway, a life where I'm uh, living in the city, working in the city, but escaping to the wilderness frequently was a pretty good life for me. Now, I had lived, you know, like I said, all my life growing up in the woods. I love the woods. Um, I wish that uh, I could reasonably live in the woods now. But there's something to be said for civilized life. There's something to be said, for example, for YouTube and Rumble, right? And videos and cell phone coverage and high-speed internet. Those are things I like. I like being able to make these videos. I like being able to get on a Zoom call and not have the call busting up every 15 seconds. You know, I, I like the, the um, certainty uh, of the Internet. So modern-day life in the woods comes at a cost that didn't exist when I was growing up. I moved away from home at about 19 or something like that. And uh, never, you know, I, I had no desire whatsoever to live in the city. In fact, uh, the Avid brothers, if you know them, they were these uh, Americana-style musicians uh, out in North Carolina. Uh, they have a song called Murder in the City. And there's a line in that song. I always think, oh, man, that's... Anybody who grew up like they did, like I did, like I'm sure a lot of you folks did, can completely identify with that song. The song is about the guy going off to the city and telling his family, you know, if I, if I get hurt or if I get killed out while I'm out in the city, um, you know, don't worry about me and stuff like that. But I remember every uh, trip that I would take to the city, I would think, there's a very good possibility that I won't come back. That's just the, the thinking that people uh, around where I grew up uh, had, especially back then, I, probably not as much today. Uh, but in Appalachia, think about going to the big city. It was like going to a, a foreign country. It really was it, was. it was like going to a foreign country where everything's scary and unknown. And our visions, like our, our imaginary idea of the big city was that uh, it was uh, scary and violent and you might not make it back. You know, you're kind of like taking your life into your hands every time you went into the city. And so I, I think about these boys, uh, the Avett brothers, uh, writing this song, if I get murdered in the city, uh, with that attitude of probably they grew, grew up or growed up uh, thinking about the city same, same as I did, having those uh, kind of, oh, what would you call it, unrealistic myths in their heads about, about the true nature of, of city life. Well, so what am I getting at? Well, I reckon what I'm getting at is that if you have a big plot of land, let's say you've got a, you know, 500 acres or something of woods that you live on, getting out into the woods ain't a big deal. I'll tell you what is a big deal, even for you, even for you folks who live on 500 acres of woods. Uh, exploration. Exploration is a big deal. You see, I, I know what that's like, living in the woods, growing up in the woods. In no time, you get to know those woods inside and out after a very relatively short amount of time there's nothing surprising out there i think about the woods where i grew up and my folks still live um, I, I could take you i know exactly where certain land formations are where water where there's water where there's not water where there's a lot of sandstone where there's not a lot of sandstone uh, where the the hills and hollers have interesting land formations cut into them and stuff like that. I could take you right down there to these places. I, I know exactly where the weird trees are, where the big trees are, where there's uh, briar patches and those sorts of things. So it's not, it's not the same as walking into woods that you're unfamiliar with and discovering it all fresh. And that's the exploration part of getting out into the woods, right? getting out into the woods and having adventures. It's why I love 
going on these long excursions into the back country and traveling, you know, 30, 50, 60, 70 miles through wilderness because uh, I did not grow up there. Now, they're, you know, once you're intimate with the woods, as long as, you know, you, you're not uh, leaving the continent or something, there's a lot of things, you know, things that stay familiar. So, for example, I've got this trip planned here soon. Uh, Buddy and I were going to go up into um, northeastern United States, do a big, long excursion in the woods up there in the mountains here coming up in the next uh, several weeks. And there's not a lot of surprises. Like, I know the types of trees that are there, the plants and all that and all like that. Simply from me having grown up where I did grow up. And, you know, we're talking about hundreds of miles away. But there's a familiarity. I mean, once you're familiar with the nature of the natural world, um, you can even go into other woods that you're not familiar with. And there's, there's familiar aspects to it. But there's a lot of exploration, too. You don't know what's around every bend. You don't know what's over every mountain. You don't know what you're going to find out there. And there's something about that that I think is superior to, like, say, having 500 acres of your own land. Um, and then, you know, after a few years, you know it so well, there's just there's no surprises. There might be wildlife surprises, but, I mean, there's not geographical or, you know, land surprises. So what's that mean? Well, it means for that people who like to do what I like to do for the reasons I like to do it. And, uh, uh, well, let me finish my thought. That uh, once you become an adult and you've got responsibilities, it's not, a, it's not as easy to get out there as maybe it once was or uh, is depending on your life circumstances. I'd say most of you listening here have to work, right? The same as I, same as I do. I have to work. Anytime I take off to to go on a big, long excursion out in the backcountry, it's time I have to take away from work. I'm sure that would be true for most of the folks that, most of you who are listening to me uh, now on this, uh, this episode of the show. So then let me ask you, when you get on the internet and you see folks just, it seems like they're always in the woods. They're putting up videos left and right, and they're always out in the woods. Is that realistic? Let me be more specific. I'm not talking about just being in the woods. I'm talking about presenting scenarios where they're really supposedly, you know, emphasis on supposedly, roughing it or showing off survival techniques or showing off uh, shelter-making techniques and all these things. And it's just like every week they've got a, a video up. You, you, <laughs> For those of you who have been listening to me for any length of time probably know where this is going. Yes, that's right. I'm going into another rant about how that's not realistic. It's not realistic for real life. These folks are not truly in wilderness. Uh, if they're putting up a video every week of them in the woods, what does that mean? Well, it means that that's either woods that they own or it's woods that somebody else owns, that they're friends with. What it also means is that is not wilderness. Because remember, we just got done saying that if you, let's say 500 acres, that's a pretty good patch of woods, wouldn't you say? But if you own it and you live there, it's not wilderness because you know where everything is. You know it like the back of your hand. You can get out there every day. Guess why? Because you can be in your own bed uh, later that evening. And, you know, if, if you think about the, the true nature of a property like that, 
uh, most people are going to have like <clears throat> side by side uh, roads cut out through the woods, right? Or uh, ways where they can drive like a four wheel or an off road vehicle uh, just back in the woods to wherever they want to be and then set down and do their video or set down and do a little campfire and, and have that thing put out by the end of the video and be back home uh, eating a bologna sandwich at their own kitchen table an hour later, if that, 20 minutes later. So is that is that real wilderness? Or, I mean, can they present to you a, a scenario that truly represents what you would face in a real situation out in the real woods. When I say the real woods, I mean woods you don't know, woods you, you've not been in before, that you are out exploring in for the first time. Of course not. But the other thing is that the realities of adult life mean that nobody, no, nobody for real, can get out into real wilderness, you know, every week. It, this is just impossible. If you if you have a job, if you've got a family, if you're a parent, uh, if you have any responsibilities whatsoever, it really complicates things, doesn't it? Um, let me tell you a personal antidote here. Uh, before I become a dad. I used to get out into the woods, um, out in serious woods, so woods that I don't know. I'm going out for the first time. I'm traveling through them multiple days and nights, and, and I don't know these woods. I'm, I'm, I'm there for the first time, and I'm, I'm learning all this stuff for the first time out in that area of uh, wilderness. I used to be able to do that at most about twice a month. Um, I might have like one big trip. Oh, I reckon maybe once every three months. But typically, month by month, I could get out one or two times on short trips. So I would have to plan ahead and say, well, I think I could get out there like right after work on a Friday night and be out by Sunday evening. And I would map out the mileage and figure out, you know, if it was doable and everything. And every once in a while, I might use a vacation day and take off a Friday and head out on a Thursday night or something like that. That was when I was not a dad. I was living all by myself. I only, I lived in an apartment and I had no responsibilities really. I was just living for myself. And even then, I could only get out for real about once every three months and on short trips, maybe twice a month. Now you throw in real life responsibilities, fatherhood. Uh, maybe you get married. Uh, maybe your parents get sick or you've got, regardless, you've got responsibilities to people, right? Now, is it realistic to think that you're still going to get out twice a month to disappear into the woods where you're, you you know people can't reach you and every three months get off on like a week-long trip where people can't reach you for like an entire week and you can't you know, get messages out for like an entire week. Is that realistic with any degree of responsibilities whatsoever? The answer is no. So even these videos you see on the internet that of these people doing this putting out a new video like every two days, every week. There's something that the, the story that is being presented to you in an unspoken way uh, is lying to you. It's got to be lying to you. Those people have to have that woods right out their back door, in which case... They're never in danger. They're never at risk of going hungry. They're never at risk of being without water. They're never at risk of dying from hypothermia or anything like that because they can just head right back to their house and get whatever they want, right? They, they're not even at risk of their video camera batteries going dead because if it does, they just run up to the house 
and get another battery. Uh, so any, can any of these things really represent or mirror the, a real situation for you? Obviously not. But then the other thing is that anybody who's doing that, they're not so far away from anybody or off, you know, out of contact with anybody that um, they're neglecting all these responsibilities because all these people making these videos would end up divorced, uh, losing their children because they're, they're never taking care of their children. Uh, they, uh, they would lose all their friends, right? Because they're not living up to any of their responsibilities to friends or family. So I want, I wanted to have a discussion about these sorts of things to <clears throat> paint the reality that if you only get, if you're only able to get out into the woods once or twice a year and you say, man, that's just, I see these guys on the internet. They're out there all the time having all these adventures and everything, really quote-unquote roughing it out there, right? Going hardcore out in the woods. Um, I'd, I'd tell you, they, they, they're not. They're not. They're not. Um, again, the image being presented to you in an unspoken way in these videos and stuff are not representing the whole truth because the real truth is that grown-ups have responsibilities. And very, very few people are making a living just going out into the woods for you know weeks at a time every single week or every single month so that they can put up these videos. No, if they're putting up these videos, they're on land that they're already incredibly familiar with, in which case they're never, they're never at a risk for anything. So when they build a shelter on their own property, which is just, you know, they're a quarter mile back in the woods on their own property, and they, they spend uh, you know, four hours building this big elaborate shelter and heat shield, which don't work, by the way. Heat, heat shields don't work um, unless they're made out of rock. And then they work because they absorb heat and radiate it back out. But these wood reflectors that you see people building behind their uh, campfires and stuff those things don't work um so but anyway building these big elaborate things right and you say man they're living the life they're living the life well they're not really because they're not it's not real it's not real if you were out in the wilderness would you have four hours to build some big, stupid, elaborate shelter when you're trying to get rescued or trying to get out or trying to get from point A to point B? Now you're not going to spend four hours building some dumb shelter like that. So, you know, the practical woodsman here, uh, in many episodes, I have railed against the, the artificial nature of many of these videos. And, you know, I... In the past, I kind of alluded to some of the people that I, that I have in mind a lot of the times when I talk about these sorts of things. I regret that. I, I wish I had not even alluded to anybody um, because, you know, I, I, I bear them no ill will. At the same time, I like to be able to express to you folks the true nature of what it's like to truly be out in the woods for real truly out in the woods and so i hope i've painted a nice picture for you i mean uh i think i hope that i've helped you see the true nature of the difference between being on wooded property that you own and being out in a wilderness area that you're not familiar with it's not your wilderness area you've never been there before there's an exploring element to the one that does not exist with the other. There's a self-reliance factor, a heavy self-reliance factor that comes into play when you're in wilderness that you don't know that that's not yours, that's not near your home. A self-reliance factor, well, a self-sufficiency factor. I don't like the word self-reliance. 
but a self-sufficiency factor that comes into play when you're in true wilderness that does not come into play when you're on your own property. Even if, you're on, even if you own 500 acres, even if you own 1,000 acres, there's not a self-reliance factor there that does exist when you're in true wilderness. And then the second thing is the true nature of being a, a grown person, a grown adult with responsibilities. You can't always get out into genuine wilderness. Uh, many of you might remember that I had plans to go out. Um, I had big plans to go out back in November. I had planned forever for that trip. And I was looking so forward to it. I was looking forward to getting out there, shooting video. Um, you know, real, it was going to be it was like a 45-mile uh, trip that I had planned. And, oh, gorgeous, pristine wilderness. And uh, I got sick. No, what, what happened? Something happened that I wasn't able to go on that trip. And then I rescheduled it. And so I rescheduled it for uh, uh, January, like early January, if, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was December. And I rescheduled it for December, and then, uh, and then I got sick. So I, I can't remember why I had to cancel the first time, but it was some unavoidable thing. You know, that's the true nature of, of this. Had to cancel that. Then in December when I had rescheduled and again, I spent weeks like getting all excited and getting my gear all ready and everything and mapping out where I was going to be and all this stuff. And I'm coming down with the flu, which was, man, it kicked my hoochie coochie. I'll tell you, it was a rough bout of the flu. And um, so I had to cancel that trip too. That's the true nature of an adult wanting to get out into the woods, into the real woods, and at the same time having a life. It, it's just, it's not as easy as every weekend I'm going to be out in the woods. Or even every month I'm going to get out into the woods for real. It's more like, I think if I really pushed myself, um, even with responsibilities, being a dad and that sort of thing, if I really pushed myself, I think I could probably do a trip maybe once every three months. That sounds about reasonable to me. But, you know, even then, things would come up, I'm sure. Uh, it's just, as much as I love the woods, I, I have other priorities in life. Uh, my daughter is a huge priority. And, uh, and that's just one priority of many priorities that I live with. So that was the, that's the conversation I wanted to have about that. You know, you watch these guys and girls on the internet and you might start getting the, this false impression that man they just they get to go out there all the time they're out there all the time and uh, you know I wish I could do that and well first of all they're not in the wilderness if they're putting up a video every two weeks or every week they're not in the wilderness they're in trees I like to say they're in trees because even if you, it, it appears like nice, thick, lush woods, you know, if that's their property, which is would explain why they're why they're able to do it every two weeks or every week. Um, you know, if you turn around, there's a there's a road right there, or there's a a side by side dirt road, and the house is just over the hill. There's a town right nearby. I'm I'm talking like five minutes away. Uh, that's that's the reality of many of these videos. So don't uh, don't let the uh, the illusion of these things fool you. And if if you only get to go out once, twice a year, don't don't beat yourself up over that. That's kind of the true nature of anybody with any life at all um, and getting out into the wilderness. Now, having said all that. Maybe some of, some of you ends up wondered, why doesn't he post more videos of himself out in the woods? Well, now you know, because I have a life, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to step in, you know, 30 steps into the, some woods just to shoot a video and um, sell this lie 
that I'm deep back in the wilderness somewhere and all alone and doing all these things. Uh, not going to do that. Either, either my video presents me as being out in deep wilderness, and I really am, or I'm, I don't want to do a video like that. So... I appreciate all I appreciate all you folks who continue to uh, follow the podcast and the the exclusives and everything like that that I show. Even though I'm not, a lot of the videos don't have me out in the middle of the woods. Um, but having said that, I do hope to be out in real wilderness here in a few weeks, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. All right, we're running out of time here. This conversation's going so good. I forgot to do the announcements. The announcements are this. Join us on our online community on the Locals platform. That's L-O-C-A-L-S. You can join us by going to thepracticalwoodsman.locals, L-O-C-A-L-S, dot com. Or you can download the locals.com app from the App Store and then just search for The Practical Woodsman Within. I try to do exclusive live streams on that group, on that online community, on uh, Saturdays. And uh, because of my schedule here lately, it's been more in the afternoon on Saturdays rather than in the mornings. Anything else? Oh, yeah. So if you're only listening to the audio version of this show, you please subscribe to me on YouTube and Rumble. Uh, and, uh, the reason for that is because I don't just do this podcast. I have two other show types. I have adventures, which are me actually out in the woods. And then I have, uh, something I call exclusives and the exclusive videos are videos where I'm showing off gear. I'm talking about certain things that I like to use. Uh, it's a, a visual show, uh, the exclusive videos. Whereas the podcast, I try to make it so that if you're just listening to the audio, then you're, you're not missing out on too much, except for my uh, striking good looks. All right. I wanted to tell you about some of these clothes here. I was at Walmart the other day. And uh, Walmart, this Walmart brand, uh, Ozark Trail. Maybe a lot of you folks have heard of it. I wanted to tell you about this because if you get in there right now, so... Still in winter, but we're coming out of winter. Spring's uh, quickly approaching. Uh, if you run into your Walmart, or if you go online to Walmart, you might be able to find this fantastic deal on men's wool blend base layer. Uh, they're sold separate, the tops and the bottoms. I just bought myself one. But, man, I'll tell you what, the uh, the price for these I think are pretty spectacular it's a good it's a really nice base layer here it is 73% polyester and 27% wool now I know that's not 100% wool that's not 80% wool but still 27% wool 73% polyester for 20 bucks is a pretty darn good deal so I went ahead and picked myself up uh, a top and a bottom and I'll show you folks who uh, can see me on the video the quality of this this layer um, I've already tried them on I ain't going to try them on for you right here <laughs> yeah I know you guys are getting all your hopes up and everything um, take a look here it's it's a nice it's a nice layer so I got bottoms and tops they come in this brown there was black and there was another collar I can't remember what it was but uh, twenty dollars for each so forty dollars for a really nice kind of um, I would say not quite midweight but uh, but not quite lightweight either uh, long John bottoms long John top 27% wool. 40 bucks for the top and bottom. They they sell separately. 
but uh you know you can't you can't get anything at that price at the rei or not even cabela's i don't think so anyway that's the ozark trail brand walmart brand there's the back of the package right there for any of you watching who might be interested in running out and getting yourself a set of those uh, long johns i'll tell you that it's a pretty good deal um what else ll bean so my favorite um places to shop for outdoor stuff when i've got spare money to blow is uh, ll bean i really love the quality of a lot of the ll bean stuff for you folks listening outside the united states i don't know if you're familiar with that brand ll bean they're based in new england and their products are just really fantastic quality i'll try to include some links to their website down below in the uh, description of the show here and uh rei now i've talked to some of you who uh, live outside the states i've heard you say you don't have rei you don't have ll bean but uh you know check online you might be able to explore what they got i really like rei branded stuff so rei is like an outfitter store but they sell like marmot they sell what are mountain hardware that you know the the big brands but then rei has their own branded stuff so it's just like if you go to the piggly wiggly piggly wiggly's got their own <laughs> coffee you know throwing oatmeal those sorts of things you go to uh, walmart walmart's got their own brand of coffee and oatmeal and so you can end up saving money and getting typically things of similar quality to the big brand names um rei does that and they'll sell like uh soft shell jackets and stuff like that tents uh sleeping bags socks and I think they're every bit as good quality as things like Darn Tough Socks. Uh, I don't know if you folks know that. By the way, you know why they're called Darn Tough? It's a play on words. But, um, yeah, the RE, I, I really like the REI branded stuff. So I have a, a windbreaker jacket. It's kind of like a windbreaker slash raincoat slash hard shell that I wear. It's, a, it's an REI brand jacket and i think it's every bit as good as like arcteryx mountain hardware marmot um, and i paid a fraction of the cost for it so i like doing things like that also this time of year coming right out of winter going into spring man i'm like a hawk checking out the, the deals and the sales and everything like that so i end up getting this uh marmot soft shell here which polyester uh, fleece but it's just the right weight I, I love that against my skin when I'm working around camp uh, in the evening it's starting to get cool uh, but I'm you know I'm working uh, I don't want to have a big bulky jacket on being around the fire and it's not really you know freezing cold uh, so I, this the weight of this fleece here I really really like I'm for those of you who are just listening, it's just a light fleece, uh, but it's a Marmot brand, and I got that on sale on um, Amazon for 40 bucks. It usually sells for almost $100, that jacket. I, I got it for 40 bucks, so I mean, right now is a really great time to, to buy this sort of stuff. Back to L.L. Bean, I got this 100% uh, merino wool sweater for golly what i pay for it 30 bucks 40 bucks something like that it's ridiculous it's 150 dollars wool sweater i got it for a real reasonable price and i bought two of these because they're just so thick and well made now here's the 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 trick on this you can't be too picky about collars all right so apparently this it's a, like a light baby blue Apparently that's a color nobody wants to wear, and that's why that was on such a fantastic sale. My argument is, uh, who, who are you who are you dressing up for when you go out into the woods? Who, who are you dressing up for? 
it, it just has to it, it has to uh, serve its purpose. And as long as it's serving its purpose, who cares what color it is? But we live in a world, don't we, where people are thinking about what they're going to look like in pictures and everything like that. And that's really the only reason they're going out there in the first place is so that they can show off the pictures. Uh, that's not why I go out there, and I'm sure that ain't the reason a lot of you folks go out there either. Uh, anything else to say there? No, that's just a lot of good sales going on right now. Save a lot of money if you ain't too picky about the, the collar of things. Um, let's see here. Now, that was the same way, by the way, with this marmot sweater, this marmot fleece. <clears throat> the only reason I got that for 40 bucks is apparently nobody likes this collar. It's brown and yellow. And uh, I happen to love it. Uh, I love the collar. But even if I didn't, for 40 bucks, that ain't a bad price. And one other thing I'll say about fleece um, jackets and fleece uh, quarter zip uh, pullovers. If you go on Amazon, Amazon has their own brand branded clothes, which are called uh, Amazon Essentials, I think it's what they're called. You can get these fleeces for, uh, what did I see them for? Uh, like a full zip fleece? base layer fleece uh 10 bucks 15 bucks and you know you don't have any logo on there it doesn't say uh, it doesn't have a brand name of anybody uh fancy on the on the breast or anything like that but for 11 bucks if really if all you're interested in is having like a nice fleece underlayer go on amazon check out their their fleeces uh, man, you'll save a ton of money doing that. All right, just about out of time. I had a bunch of stories here to share with you, like the same way with I, I did in the previous episode. Let's get through a couple of them, and that way I can close these tabs down and don't have to keep hanging on to them for another month. <clears throat> have you heard the story about the woman who was frozen solid for six hours and survived? Her name was Jean Hilliard. She was 19 years old, and this happened uh, back in December 1980. I'm reading this from uh, NDTV.com, but you can find this story in a lot of places if you just look up uh, Jean Hilliard. She was wearing western boots, a coat, mittens, and she stepped out of her car in minus 30 degrees Celsius temperatures. Now, <clears throat> because this story is... This website is from India. I don't know what the heck that is. Let me see. Alexa, what is minus 30 degrees Celsius in Fahrenheit? Okay, so that's minus 22 degrees Fahrenheit. Steps out of her car, starts walking to a friend's house, lives a few miles away. But she trips and she loses consciousness. Trips, knocks herself out, and guess what? Six hours pass. Her lying there, minus 22 degrees Fahrenheit, knocked out cold. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, pun intended. When they find her, she's frozen solid. And her friend Wally Nelson uh, finds her. She's out in her front yard and uh, recognizes her, rushes her to a hospital 10 minutes away. When she grabs her and pulls her up, uh, she's frozen solid like a two-by-four. Frozen solid like a plank. But the friend noticed that there were a few bubbles coming out of her nose, even though her body was as stiff as a board. She gets her to the hospital. They think she's going to die. They can't even get a, a needle, like an IV needle, into her arm. The needle keeps breaking off. She's frozen that hard. The article says, despite their belief that she was close to death, they still cho chose to initiate the process of warming her up using heating pads. By mid-morning, Miss Hilliard woke in spasms. I can't explain why she's alive, Dr. George Sather, who helped treat the young woman, told the New York Times. She was frozen stiff, literally. It's a miracle. The body was cold, completely solid, just like a piece of meat out of a deep freeze. 
The doctor recalled that her pulse hardly registered through her frozen skin. Her body's temperature was too low for a thermometer, but in several hours, wrapped in an electric heating pad, she began to revive. Isn't that an amazing story? Well, don't you go out trying it yourself, ladies and gentlemen, because you might not have the same outcome that Jean Hilliard, age 19, had back in 1980. Uh, from WSAZ, Huntington, West Virginia, my local news channel. Hiker missing for months, found dead, with his dog still alive by his side. Archuleta County, Colorado. A tiny Jack Russell Terrier survived in the Colorado mountains for more than 10 weeks after her owner died of hyperthermia. Despite losing half her body weight, a rescuer said. Richard Moore of Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and his 12-pound dog, Finney, had set out to climb Blackhead Peak east of the town on August 19th but never returned home. From the starting point, the hike to Blackhead Peak gains 2,150 feet in elevation. When a hunter come upon the 71-year-old's body in the San Juan Mountains on October 30th, Finney the dog was still there with him, despite being down to just six pounds. Finney's magnificent story of survival is a testament to her dedication and loyalty to Moore, the owner. Jack Russells are pretty fierce. I have to say they're tough little dogs, somebody said. The hunter found Moore's body about one and a half miles east of the peak. Moore, who was an experienced hiker, died of hypothermia. Uh, many of you know hypothermia can cause people to become disoriented, disoriented and confused. I, I've seen this happen. I saw it happen to a good buddy of mine. Actually, the same buddy who's going to be going on this trip with me here in a few weeks. I'll keep my eye on that guy. If that dog could talk, it would be an amazing story, somebody said. We probably could not even believe the story the dog would tell. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, how would the story go? I was hungry and cold. I was hungry and cold. I was hungry and cold for as long as I was out there. <laughs> Another story from WSAZ, Huntington, West Virginia. Officials cancel cougar warning for neighborhood after finding an animal was just a house cat. <laughs> that must be one big house cat um i've told you the story haven't i about when i walked up on a mountain lion out in uh, california i was backpacking in yosemite and it scared the living daylights out of me I, i've never felt so vulnerable in my life that mountain lion was enormous huge like the size of an African lion, and uh, it was so close away I could have spit on it, and he was turned around facing the other way hunting something. Man, I just backed out the way I come in, man. My knees clacking together like uh, like a cartoon done by Tex Avery. For real, though, my knees were like clacking together. All right, WSAZ, man sets potential world record by taking down 780-pound black bear with bow and arrow. A hunter in North Carolina possibly set a world record by recently taking down a massive black bear with a bow and arrow. Got a picture of this thing here. He is massive. Brad Jones, 51, of Greenville, was at a friend's farm in Chocowinity last weekend when he brought down the black bear. The Wildlife Management Division said the team believes this may be the largest bear killed with a bow and arrow at least in North Carolina. How much you want to bet that um, 300 years ago, the American Indians were bringing down bear uh, that big and bigger with their bows and arrows, which were not uh, compound bows and fancy uh, razor-tipped arrows and stuff like that. I, I bet they were. All right, I've got some more interesting stories to talk about but we're going to save it for the next episode uh so make sure you join me in that episode i'll tell you about the uh, the guy who dissolved in a boiling acidic pool at yellowstone park i'll tell you more bear stories i'll tell you about the girl who survived a plane crash in 11 days in the jungle alone i'll talk to you about sleeping with half a brain 
and some other really interesting things. Folks, thanks for joining me here on the Practical Woodsman Show or podcast, whatever you want to call it. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. And uh, that's all I've got for now. I'm trying to think of something clever to say, and I can't think of anything clever. So we're just going to leave it as it is. You guys take care. I'll see you next time.